This is the Illinois. This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work. Welcome to the Illinois podcast. The Illinois. Cutting through the noise of Illinois politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston. Well, hey there. Live from my basement, it's the Illinois political podcast, live stream, newsletter, all that stuff. You can find it at theillinois.com. I'm Patrick Fingston. Uh, pleased to be with you here on a Wednesday afternoon as we're uh, straight in the uh, rearview mirror of yesterday's wild Chicago mayoral race, uh, where incumbent Lori Lightfoot, who spent the last four years pretty much alienating everyone she can, uh, was eliminated in the first round of voting, uh, along with uh, potential frontrunner uh, Congressman Chuy Garcia. Uh, the the Latino, the liberal, uh, kind of progressive uh, icon, if you will, uh, in in city politics. Since since he made a real run for for the office in 2015, then got himself elected to Congress. Instead, it's it's Paul Vallis, uh, the former Chicago Public Schools CEO, and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, the who will be in the runoff for. Uh, Chicago mayor on April 4th. We'll show you some results here in, in just a moment. Uh, we'll hear from both of those candidates, and we'll also get some reaction from Tamon Bradley, the great political reporter from WGN-TV in Chicago, uh, as well as a Chicago political operative named Chris Jakowiak. Uh, they'll both give us their perspectives on what happened and why and where the city goes from here. And even if you're not from Chicago, uh, I don't live in Chicago, um, this this is important statewide. Uh, Chicago is the economic driver of of the state. Uh, it is uh, obviously the 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 place people know when when they are asked about Illinois. It's the the tourism destination. It's it's the economic engine. It's the the tax revenue producer uh, for for the state. So we. We should all be paying attention to how Chicago does, uh, both financially, uh, you know, through with with social issues on crime, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know, just uh, uh, in in terms of success. So uh, here here are some results. This from the Chicago Tribune website at uh, this at this hour from the uh, race for mayor. Uh, Paul Vallis, the former Chicago Public School CEO, ran for governor in 2002, uh, ran for uh, lieutenant governor as Pat Quinn's running mate in 2014, and was then uh, a candidate for mayor four years ago. He's in first place. Uh, he, he advances to the runoff with 172,000 votes or so. Johnson kind of came out of nowhere uh, as the uh, progressive choice, thanks to a, a heap of money from the Chicago Teachers Union and SEIU and others uh, to propel him to second place with about 104,000 votes, Lightfoot third with around 87,000, Garcia fourth with around 70,000 in in the race for uh, for Chicago mayor. So, so Vallis and Johnson advanced to 
a, a runoff in early April uh, where, where it's going to lead to an ugly five weeks. I think it's, it's pretty safe to say. Uh, after, uh, after they uh, advanced last night, uh, Vallis told supporters uh, it was uh, it was he, he stuck to his message. It was all about public safety. Public safety is the fundamental right of every American. It is a civil right. And it is the principal responsibility of government. And we will have a safe Chicago. We will make Chicago the safest city in America. So that's Paul Vallis, the top vote getter in the uh, the race for mayor uh, in Chicago yesterday. Uh, he will face Brandon Johnson, the very progressive Cook County commissioner, uh, the the guy who's who's run on on tax increases and and taxing millionaires and billionaires, and uh, has said to fund the police is is not a slogan but a political uh, position, a policy position. Uh, which is is something that's going to likely be uh, a a part of of this campaign for sure. But uh, he he talked about the movement that that he and and uh, the, his campaign has built. But guess what we get to do now, y'all? We get to turn the page of the politics of old. Because with our voices and our votes, we've come together as one city. To say that we deserve a Chicago that is better, stronger, safer for everyone. No matter where you live, no matter where you look, what you look like, you deserve to have a better, stronger, safer Chicago. Whether you live in Jefferson Park or Morgan Park, or McKinley Park or Gage Park or Humble Park, you deserve a better, stronger, safer Chicago. A city where you can thrive regardless of who you love or how much money you have in your bank account. A city that respects the workers who keep it running. So that's Brandon Johnson last night. Uh, the the uh, attacks are going to start, and they started last night. Uh, Vallis, of course, uh, has has supported the, uh, the police uh, unions and, and a lot of business and has been tied a little bit to the the right. Some some fair, not so some not so fair. Uh, Johnson immediately took aim at Vallis. See, Paul Vallis is someone who is supported by the January sixth insurrectionists. He switched parties when President Barack Obama became the president of the United States. He went as far as to say that he is more of a Republican than anything else. These are his words. He said that he fundamentally opposes abortion. These are direct quotes. As head of the Chicago Public Schools, he ran the teacher's pension fund into the ground, closed neighborhood schools, and punished students who were in need. Of course, Johnson, who who had uh, so much backing of the Chicago Teachers Union that he uh, literally had to uh, file with the State Board of Elections that the uh, Chicago Teachers Union is his sponsoring entity 
is is going to take aim at Vallis's term and plan for education. That's that's no surprise to anyone. Vallis did not attack uh, Johnson at all last night, but he did try to uh, defend his his liberal bona fides. I am a lifelong Democrat. And for some of you who remember one of the most dynamic progressive legislators, Dawn Clark Netch, she was my mentor and my boss and my friend for two decades. And she taught me, she taught me the importance of protecting a woman's right to choose. And she gave me an appreciation of supporting and respecting all communities. So that's that's what the race will look like over the next six weeks or so. And it's uh, it's it's going to be wild. Please now to welcome Taman Bradley, political reporter for WGN TV in Chicago, my uh, cohort on a lot of election uh, nights over the last couple of years. Uh, uh, Taman was uh, on the air last night. He's been covering the uh, the mayor's race uh, extensively over the last few few weeks and months. Uh, Taman, before before we get into any individuals, let's just start here. What's your takeaway? Uh, what was the biggest story out of last night? Oh, no question about it. It's the defeat of Lori Lightfoot, who four years ago in the runoff election against Tony Preckwinkle won every single Chicago award, 50 for 50. Last night, she didn't even make the runoff. She's the first Chicago mayor since Jane Byrne to be defeated. She, uh, Jane Byrne defeated by Harold Washington. And it was a stunning rebuke of, of Lightfoot, who from the very beginning um, was a contentious mayor, um, someone who did not work collaboratively um, and was a go it along, uh, alone person. Um, you know, voters absolutely wanted a change of direction. They were concerned about crime. Um, and I think they were also concerned about her leadership style. And um, Patrick, she got about 18% of the vote. I think some of that came from people who just couldn't make up their minds. She had eight challengers. So there were some people who didn't fall in love with any of those challengers and stuck with her. I just think it, it would have been impossible for Lori Lightfoot to have defeated anyone. It just people that Chicagoans just were through with her. You know, I, I, I don't know what it's like to be a black voter in the city, uh, as, as you might imagine. Uh, um, so, but there, but I mean, the, the, the field was seven African-Americans, one Latino, one white person did, did, Breaking up, splitting the 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 black vote, was was that what hurt her as much as it was maybe the the fact that she fought the city council or 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 had other issues? No, I mean certainly if if this had been a one on one race and it was her versus Paul Vallis, perhaps she might have had a shot. But by no means um, did black people overwhelmingly. Uh, vote for her. There was black vote that went to Brandon Johnson, who made the runoff. Uh, Chuy Garcia has long ties with the black community. Willie Wilson always has a solid 10 to 12 percent. He's a favorite among the black churches on the south and west sides. He had these giveaways that attracted a lot of people. And they also just think he's a decent uh, man. 
so no, it, 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 she didn't. She didn't lose the the election because somehow the black vote split. Um, she lost because she really was a politician without a base. Like long ago, her supporters um, left her. Uh, there were some older black women, according to some of the polls before the the election, who um, voted for her, supported her. But in the end, uh, you know, there, she lost the lakefront. The gay community, of which she's a member, um, they just were not there for her this time. But before we get to Allison Johnson, uh, what's Lightfoot's legacy? Missed opportunity, right? She had the city united. Um, people wanted to go in a different direction. She could be a progressive, but also um, stand up to the left. Um, someone who was different who was elected, talked differently, um, but at the end of the day, did not work collaboratively. Um, and someone who I think people will objectively say was just bad at politics. So we saw over the last few weeks, there it was no surprise that Paul Vallis is in the runoff. He, he, had, he had been performing well in polling for weeks, raised almost $5 million. I mean, essentially he was he was well situated for this. Brandon Johnson, though, seemingly came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, obviously, you're you're a Cook County commissioner. You get a bunch of money from uh, from unions that helps. But but what what was it that got liberals or progressives to to rally around him? Well, he you know he had the resources which, which helped because Chuy Garcia was late to the party and only announcing after he won re-election to Congress that he was entering the race. That meant that the Chicago Teachers Union, which was looking for a candidate to run against Lightfoot in particular, but also, you know, they've long had their their eyes on, on the fifth floor of City Hall. They wanted someone. United Working Families uh, uh, wanted someone. And so um, they, in, a, in essence, drafted Brandon Johnson. And you're right, Patrick, about the low name ID, but that worked to his favor. People didn't already have an impression of him. He could be... He was the new and exciting, the fresh face. People in politics look for change, something different, particularly if you're unhappy, if you don't like the direction of the city, which we know voters in Chicago didn't. Brandon Johnson was new. Um, he was he's a he's a good orator. Um, you know, he 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 connects with black voters. Well, um, one of the things I was struck on election night uh, during his uh, victory speech, um, he didn't. uh, uh Code switch uh, is what we uh, is what black folks talk about when you sort of um, uh, you don't talk as you might naturally talk in your hood with, with, with your homies. Brandon, in, in his speech, just sort of opened up and, and, and talked that language. It's he was really good, really good. And, and people like that authenticity, Patrick. They don't want you to not be you. People will accept you for who you are, you know. And so he was authentic. He was he didn't hide from saying, I'm going to. Um, I, I want to invest a billion dollars, you know, into people. And so I'm going to have a bunch of taxes on, on, on rich folks in Chicago. He didn't run away from that. Um, you know, he, he's, he doesn't vacillate on wanting to, uh, to shift money from the, the police budget. He certainly hasn't explained his positions clearly, um, but he's not trying to say, oh, no, I never said that. And so people, people, he was the new, fresh person who had some money um, it, whereas Lightfoot was running up the negatives 
with Chuy Garcia and Paul Vallis, there it just opened a lane for someone different to um, to rise. When when crime is clearly the number one issue for voters in the city, uh, which is different than we saw in November, obviously because it didn't resonate as much with with suburban voters, downstate voters, uh, much to the Darren Bailey and legislative Republican chagrin. Uh, crime clearly was it. When when you have Brandon Johnson, who is on the record saying defund the police isn't a, a you know a slogan, it's a policy. When when people are concerned about crime, how does he move past that? How does he pivot away from it? So what he's going to try to do, and Chicago has been the kind of place that has been receptive to um, this sort of ideology, is he'll say that it'll be about investing in people. Youth employment will help reduce the violence in the city, improving the schools, giving people opportunities, making sure there's grocery stores in their communities, building up the South and West side are the solutions, not throwing more people in jail. Now there's sort of a national debate about, you know, and you have the one extreme, we need law and order. The other thing is we need to invest our way out of it and second chances and stuff. Chicago has kind of been the place and Cook County has been a hotbed of trying those out of the box, non-traditional law and order sort of issues. It's how Kim Fox was able to win re-election, uh, even though there were lots of questions about the decisions that she was making. And so um, that's what Johnson's leaning into. Will it work? Paul Vallis is on the polar opposite. He's saying like, look, give police the resources to do the job that they need to do. Let's fill the 1,500 officer vacancies. More officers, more people working the beats will make the city safer. They're saying two completely different messages. And so it's gut check time for Chicago in terms of what is the solution and, and, and what are the answers? So when we talk about Vallis, who is a, a longtime Democratic, uh, you know, he's he's been a figure in the party for years, whether it be working for Daly or, or school superintendent. You know, he ran he was the guy that ran against Rod Bogoyevich in 2002. Uh, you know, and obviously ran for, for mayor and was Pat Quinn's running mate. This is a guy who hasn't like been a Republican his entire life, even though he said something weird about 10 years ago, I guess. What what was I mean, how does Paul Vallis, a guy who has been squarely in the Democratic uh, middle for for years, how has he been painted as such a uh, second coming of Trump? In, in, from progressives so far? So, well, you know, first of all, as you know, Patrick, uh, the middle in politics is just nowhere to be found anymore, right? Where, where are the blue dog Democrats? That That's just... So I've learned, head. man. So I've learned. You the know, it's, is, it's, the it's, it's, it's the extremes and the, the far right and left that are sort of driving the conversation these days. Look, in, in 2009, keep in mind when, when Vallis said, I'm sort of more of a Republican, it was right after Barack Obama was elected. So that in and of itself complicates things in the city of Chicago for him. That's not a clip that uh, that's great if you want to be the mayor of Chicago. The the, the problem for him and, and, and Lori Lightfoot, as she took aim at him, sort of brought this up, um, is he's flirted with um, the far right, right? Like, so, you know, attending an, a, a fundraiser for Awake Illinois, um, a very controversial group, um, you know, liking certain things on social media, um, being in favor of uh, charter schools, um, perhaps at the expense of public schools, 
um, you know, those those are centrist in some instances, not the Awake Illinois stuff. The school policy is centrist Democratic policy. But, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone thinks that Chicago is a centrist city. And so, um, you know, that stuff is able to stick. Uh, and some of it is Vallis didn't really push back all that hard because he was laser focused on crime, which was the right strategy. There's a reason why he got the most votes. People were very anxious about crime. They don't feel safe. Um, and so he spoke to that and played to that. I think you will see a pivot. I think you will see him try to explain like, look, I've, I've, I've taken up democratic causes throughout my life. I mean, he last night in his election victory speech talked about, he was for gay marriage before that was popular uh, to, to be for it, even among Democrats. So I think, I think you'll start to see more of that. And I think you will see Brandon Johnson go completely nuclear painting him, painting ballots as a right-wing extremist. I mean, look, when you accept the endorsement of the, the FOP, obviously that those are the rank-and-file officers, but it's really easy to tie that to John Cantanzara, um, who is a all the way pro-Trump, um, you know, and had uh, more complaints against him than any police officer in the, in, in the history of the department, I think. So, um, you know, you, you've got to wear that. Um, you know, voters may not care ultimately because you know they're they're anxious about 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 crime, um, but it's going to be interesting to watch how Dallas tries to pivot because I don't see Johnson trying to come to the center. Not from what I heard last night. Again, I heard a message to try to unite black and brown voters, and if he gets all the black and brown voters in the city, he, he'll he'll win the election. Before we let you go, it feels like it's going to be ugly. It feels like it's going to exacerbate all the fissures within the Democratic Party that exist either either at or above the surf or below the surface uh, anyway. How how messy does this get over the next six weeks? Yeah, it could. You know, we're, we're sort of a tribal city uh, and people are going to lock uh, into their tribes. And yeah, the racial dynamic um, could very much be be at the forefront. Um, it, it, it depends. You know, if if Vallis doesn't engage and tries to make it a policy conversation, I, I would think Johnson would follow him there. But keep in mind that Johnson's got to make up ground. He's got to get the Chuy Garcia voters. He's got to get the Lightfoot voters and the Willie Wilson voters. And um, those are black and brown voters. And so he's got to activate them and he's got to scare the hell out of them about Paul Vallis. Tamon Bradley, political reporter for WGN TV in Chicago, covering the mayor's race. Uh, Tamon, appreciate it. Uh, we'll probably see you in Springfield soon once all the mayor stuff shakes out. But uh, nothing, no, no shortage of stuff on your plate as we as we know the spring. No, always good to see you, buddy. Thanks, my friend. Perspective on what happened and why. We welcome Chris Jakowiak. He is a Chicago political expert. Works for the consulting firm Core Strategies. Uh, Chris is kind of a southwest side of the city guy. Worked for uh, former Congressman. Uh, Lipinski. Um, Chris, let's let's start with Paul Vallis, if if we can. Um, you know, four years ago, he was a nobody in in the, the race for mayor. Uh, he hasn't really been on the, the scene outside of that run for mayor since running for lieutenant governor in 2014. How do you how do you quantify his rise from ninth place in 2019 to almost 35 percent last night thank you patrick for having me on um so for paul vallis it's two things number one money talks 
Paul Vallis has been able to fundraise exceptionally well, bringing in a lot of money from downtown business communities and even some very conservative donors who previously went to Bill Daly in 2019 and Lori Lightfoot even in the 2019 runoff. Um, in addition, his status as the only white candidate in the race left a very open lane in the city where racial politics is still the ruling ideology. Um, without any other white conservative candidate in the race, he was able to monopolize that and get that 35% of the vote. And you see that in the, the election returns yesterday where he did exceptionally well downtown and he did exceptionally well in the outer periphery of the city. What what resonated with people? I mean, he he stayed solely on the crime message and and we saw that that didn't work for Republicans in in the the state in in November, especially in the suburbs. Is it a situation because city voters are so much more focused on it that uh, that that crime resonated more? Yeah, I would say it is that because in the city, you're dealing with neighborhoods and areas which live right next to very heavily crime areas. And the concern is, is that that crime is expanding outward into areas that were previously deemed safe. That's part of the reason why I believe Vallis did exceptionally well along Chicago's North Shore, because one of, ever since the 2020 riots, crime has been growing exponentially there. Um, so the crime message is resonating amongst people because it's growing and it's expanding outward from the pockets it originally was in. Um, previous election, you're dealing with more people who live outside of the Chicago sphere of influence when it comes to crime. So the crime message doesn't resonate as well as opposed to somebody who lives a mile away from a heavily crimed area. So where the heck did Brandon Johnson come from? Uh, Brandon Johnson came from millions of dollars in teachers union and service union employees money. And by being the real deal progressive in the race. Uh, four years ago, that real deal progressive was Lori Lightfoot. But progressive voters, they want that authenticity. They want that far to the left message. And that this year, Brandon Johnson brought that to them. He rode the, He had a strong end to his campaign by some big donations from unions that were backing him. He was able to get up on TV and he was able to get his message to the right voters to get him into the second round of the election. How How tough is it going to be for Johnson to resonate with maybe your your and i don't even know what a base democrat is at this point maybe it's you know a base democrat 10 years ago was paul Vallis, but uh, is a, is a base democrat today brandon johnson i mean which one of these guys best represents uh the the majority of voters in in that party at this point that's a very good question and that's something that still doesn't really seem to have a set answer uh, Brandon Johnson is going to have a lot easier time appealing to, say, black major uh, black um, base voters in the city of Chicago, simply because he is African-American and has lived that life experience. Um, in terms of Hispanics, it might be able to get, get a little bit more difficult, as even in Hispanic areas are seeing the crime problem pull highly. And that's an area in which Johnson is exceptionally vulnerable. Um we like to talk about how far to the left the Democratic Party is moving, and I think this race is going to be a very good indicator of where the actual base of the Democratic Party wants this party to be, simply because you're dealing with opposite ends of the extreme. You know, we, we we talk about, and we can talk about how each candidate will will attack each other here in a minute, but, but the real issue I see for Brandon Johnson is going to be overcoming this defund the police rhetoric. Uh, you know, where where the quote is out there that it's it's not a, a 
you know, it's not a, a slogan, it's a policy position. In a city where crime is clearly the number one issue, how does he pivot on that issue to make himself not necessarily a law enforcement candidate, but somebody that that doesn't look so extreme that that moderate voters, f- white female voters who may j- make up a large block of, of this this uh, this electorate, how does he turn the issue to help him instead of becoming a, a huge liability? So two things. The first thing in, it would be in reject, reject, direct response to defund the police is he can frame it as cleaning up the bureaucracy. One of the issues right now is that the upper brass of the police department is very unpopular in this city, um, it, in which that every candidate in the race made it a top priority to fire top police brass. If he wants to frame it as that he's trying to clean up the department and cut wasteful spending and do it something like that, um, it might be his only path forward in explaining his defund the police stance. In addition, one of the things progressives like to do is they like to pivot the crime message to addressing the root causes of crime. Um, I'm gonna, I'm guarantee you, you're gonna see Brandon Johnson do that in the coming weeks to try and still talk about crime while not also taking a hard stance on it, like he because he can't alienate that far left base of his. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pivot works. I think we have to talk about Lori Lightfoot and and what was exceptionally, you know, a, a, an exceptional fall from grace. You know, who who almost like Paul Vallis, you know, came from nowhere. Uh, you know, even less because she hasn't run for mayor, hadn't run for mayor before 2019. Uh, you know, came from nowhere, won almost 75 percent of the vote in the runoff four years ago. And and then it just seemed like the, you know, she was the nobody nobody sent and and she just couldn't couldn't get over the hill uh, or over the hump. What what was her biggest downfall in your mind? Her biggest downfall was a couple things. First off, um, coming out of 2019, Lori Lightfoot wasn't as strong as that 74, 75 percent of the vote would indicate. She was running against Tony Preckwinkle, who at the time was the most unpopular elected official in Cook County before Kim Fox. Um, so that 75 percent number is misleading. Second, Lori Lightfoot just made an issue with everybody. Um, there was the 10th Ward Alderwoman, who's recently retiring, uh, Susie Sadlowski-Garza. Um, when she announced her retirement, she admitted that she had never seen somebody upset the vast amount of people that Lori Lightfoot has done in her time in office. She didn't get along with the teachers union. She didn't get along with conservatives. She didn't get along with progressives. She didn't get along with Springfield. There were so many different people she needed to have to be successful that she just and don't forget police, you know, oh. which is obviously a huge issue. Right. And that kind of goes along with the conservatives that, that I was mentioning earlier, but she didn't get along with anybody. In addition, after the 2020 rioting and COVID, crime just went upward. And it doesn't help the fact that they're dealing with a state's attorney who she's also bucked with in Cook Cook County. But the fact of the matter is, is that the crime angle was always going to be a problem. And she always tried to downplay it as things are better than you think they are, Um, which didn't appeal to voters who are feeling the crime, they're feeling the economy, they're feeling all these things. And Lightfoot's telling them, everything's actually great. You need me for another four years. I think people coming into this this race would have told you, especially in November after Chewy Garcia got in, that that the likeliest runoff pair, at least in my mind, and tell me I'm wrong if, if you think so, 
would have been Lightfoot and Chewy Garcia. Uh, you know, obviously Garcia has has huge name ID and and has been in the race before, congressman, etc. Had a built-in network of fundraising, and and he just sputtered from from the get-go. Uh, what what happened to Garcia? What happened to Garcia is I don't think he ever wanted it. Um, the quote-unquote powers that be in Chicago had looked for a candidate to run against Lori Lightfoot for some time. Originally, they were talking about Arnie Duncan. Then it moved to Mike Quigley. Pat Quinn was a name for a while. And eventually, they convinced Chewy Garcia to run for mayor. It didn't look like he ever wanted it. Um, you saw in some of the debates, he looked very sluggish. He looked very slow, which is not really the firebrand that Chewy Garcia is or is known to be. Um, in addition, the people at his campaign just didn't take the race seriously. It was assumed out of the gate that Chewy's name ID and popularity would just propel him into the runoff without doing anything. Unfortunately, turning out Hispanics is a very expensive and time-consuming task that takes months. And it wasn't started in the general election because Hispanic turnout was very low. And it needed to get done for a municipal election that never happened. He wasn't even on TV until about a month ago. Um, after polls were starting to come out that he was in trouble. Um, so they didn't take the race seriously, and I don't think that Chewy ever wanted it. All right, so put on your, uh, put on your prognosticator hat. My, my guess is going into the next five weeks is it's going to get very ugly. Uh, you know, Johnson's going to try and make Paul Vallis look like the second coming of Trump, and, you know, if Vallis is, is worth his salt, he's going to try and disqualify Johnson uh, from from the get go, uh, is that how you see it playing out? How and what do you? What's your playbook here for for the next five weeks? So I anticipate that Brandon Johnson, like you said, you saw this in his victory speech last night, is going to start attacking Vallis as the far right, the Republican, the Democrat name only. This guy's a wolf in sheep's clothing. We can't let this guy in office. I'm the real Democrat. In response. Paul Vallis is going to continue with some of the messaging you saw later in the campaign, which is, I am the real liberal Democrat. I'm, I want to make uh, Illinois safe, uh, Chicago safe haven for abortion rights. I want to hold our police accountable. He's going to try and, and move to the left and tr to try and portray himself as that liberal that Johnson's saying he's not. In addition, Vallis is going, there is an Apple file book about this thick on Brandon Johnson just because of things he said because he is so progressive. They're going to start rolling that out, hopefully, probably in the next few weeks that they're intelligent um, and trying to portray him as the far left extremist that he is. Because let's be honest, while Chicago is a Democratic city, um, I don't think the defund the police message is going to appeal to the majority of the people, the people there. Crime is an issue and Brandon Johnson has an issue with it. Who's the favorite? Right now, the way I see it, because Chicago is, is broken down along such racial lines, it has to be labeled as a tilt or lean Brandon Johnson race. Vallis is going to have an issue trying to expand himself outward to black and Hispanic voters, even with, with the crime messaging at play. It, Chicago is a game of racial politics, and, to keep, and you need to keep that in mind. Brandon Johnson has the advantage of being African-American who can appeal to African-American audiences, and he is, he's got nowhere to go but up at this point. I worry that Vallis has, has hit a floor. His floor is too low at this point, and he's not going to be able to get the votes necessary to push himself into the runoff to the general election. My to, to win the general election. My apologies. Chris Jakowiak, a uh, political operative, uh, former uh, congressional staffer, guy who knows city politics better than I do, which really doesn't say much. But uh, Chris, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much.
Thank you for having me, Patrick. All right. Thanks to uh, Timon Bradley uh, of WGN TV and Chris Jakowiak of Core Strategies, uh, a uh, Chicago political operative, uh, for for his time and Timon's time for uh, for joining us today, talking about the uh, the Chicago mayor's race yesterday. And, and you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to watch over the next five weeks because uh, you've. You're going to hear people say they're polar opposites. They're they're still both Democrats. Let's be clear on this. This is still Chicago. There's not actually a Republican in the field, uh, even though they're going to try and uh, paint Vallis as some crazy right winger. the The reality is is that Johnson has to figure out how to overcome this or defund the police messaging. And Vallis needs to overcome some of these flirtations with with crazy the the Awake Illinois thing that Tavon Bradley mentioned that that uh, you know the John Canizara ties etc. Uh, whoever makes themselves the more acceptable leader, the the person people can believe can govern, is is. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's going to be really it's it's going to be really interesting to watch over over the next five weeks. So we'll continue to keep an eye on it. We'll continue to talk a little bit about it. Of course, it's a uh, it, it's an issue that that even though it's a city election, it, it impacts the entire state. So we will keep an eye on it. Of course, we're not going to, you know, jump in every time, you know, one of them opens their mouth, but it, of course it's something that, that we believe we'll keep an eye on. Read our stuff anytime at theillinois.com. That's T-H-E-I-L-L-I-N-O-I-Z-E.com. We put a newsletter out every day for either free ones or subscribers, and uh, we hope you'll listen or you'll tune in for that and uh, join us again next time here on our The Illinois Podcast.